a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You... Go and do likewise. Who is my neighbor? Is it the whole world? Is it our responsibility to love everyone? Is it alright to love all the carbon-based human life forms? Any Star Trek fans? Oh, never mind. <laughs> Could it be wrong to love the whole world? The great question in Jewish thought in the first century was, what is the great commandment? Everybody wanted to know that. But let's stop a minute and introduce our lawyer. Law to a Jewish person of that day meant the Bible. The Scriptures. The Old Testament, we'd call it today, it was the only one they had. The Word of God was both a spiritual instruction manual and their constitution. The first five books were like the main body of our constitution, and all the others were like our amendments. But also, the law had become a Jewish national symbol, especially after Antiochus Epiphanes, whom the Jews to this day call Antiochus the Madman. That's what they call him today. He tried to destroy all the scriptures as he attempted to eradicate the nation of Israel as a separate entity. He failed, of course, but he was a real piece of work. A truly a madman. In any event, lawyers to them were defenders not just of the word of God, but true patriots standing for the freedom and independence of their nation. And when they talked, people listened. And this one appears to be pretty sharp as he's the only one we know of who understood that loving God and loving your neighbor were inextricably interrelated. Okay, well, he seemed pretty sharp right up until he tried to justify himself. <laughs> who is my neighbor? And why love your neighbor as yourself? What is neighbor 
or why is neighbor a critical part of the great commandment? Why did Jesus tell this long, well, to us, story to explain who a neighbor is? Shouldn't we love the whole world like God does? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God has not sent His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So God loved the world. And we should do, right? That's why our conference has the Converge World Relief Agency, yes? That's why organizations like Samaritan's Purse, the ABWE, the World and World Vision, that's why these all exist, right? When we talked about the way a few weeks ago, we discovered what the way to eternal life looked like. It looks like Jesus. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But we're still stuck. Jesus commanded us to love like he loved. But, may I ask, where is the world in this command? He loved the world, so should we assume that we should also? Or should we say that to love our neighbor is to love the world? Is that good enough? And what about what we call the Great Commission after Jesus' resurrection, but before the ascension? The eleven disciples went to Galilee and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus has all authority. And he's always going to be with them, with us. So we are supposed to go to all nations. The whole world, it would seem. Can we really go to all the world? (laughs) Physically baptizing and teaching. Can you individually go to every part of the world and tell people about Jesus, baptize them and teach them? You know, of course not. Go, you see, is the whole issue. We have to get there. God is already there. We have location. We are each in one place, and maybe not long if you're a pacer. But you don't know that, that I'm. When I first got here, I used to go like this, and I would talk over here, and then I would walk over here, and then I'd talk over here, and then I'd walk over here, and a whole bunch of people said to me, You have got to stand still. I'm getting a headache just trying to keep up with you. <laughs> okay, so I don't move when I preach, but you should see me when I'm talking on the phone at home. I cover most of the house. If you're a pacer, you aren't in any location very long, but you still have one location. We are each in one place at one time. God is also in the place we each are. A lot of people think omnipresence means that God is everywhere, like the ocean. If the world was covered with water, that would be like God covers everything. No, That's not it at all. The Bible clearly teaches that God does have location. God is in a specific location. It's every location. He is specifically in every location. God is 100% here, wherever here is. Wherever any person is, God is right there in their face, if you will. 
the scripture is clear that God loves the whole world. That's possible because he is in every place in the whole world. God loves the whole world. However, there is no place in Scripture where anyone else is told to love the whole world. That's surprising. And nobody's told, by the way, to love all the people in the world. It, it doesn't exist. And the point is, we simply can't. We don't even know them. <laughs> the reason we don't know them is we have but one location. We can love and can only love those close to our location, our neighbors. God is in every location. He can love the entire world because he is entirely with them. Everyone in the world is his neighbor. It is God's job to love the whole world, not ours. And let me scare you just a little. To think we can love the whole world is to pretend we have the capacity of God. You don't want to do that because that's a sin. <laughs> Everyone should love their neighbor. We must love the ones close to us. In fact, if we try to love the whole world, you'll miss your neighbor. You'll miss the trees because you're so busy trying to see the whole forest. So there you go. That's it. <laughs> We're done. You can all go home now. Okay, not really. <laughs> but I do have a good joke for you. <laughs> This new young itinerant pastor, he goes to a tiny church building in the middle of ranching country. When he gets there, there's just one old cowboy sitting in the second pew. So our pastor introduces himself and then he waits for everyone else to show up. No one does. Finally, he says to the cowboy, do you think I should go ahead and preach the sermon? And the ranch hand says, well, I'm not all that smart, but if I went out to feed my cows and only one showed up, I'd still feed her. So the preacher starts saying, he goes 10 minutes, and he goes 20, and then 40. Finally, an hour later, he comes to his conclusion. So all excited, he goes down to the cattleman. What did you think? Well, says our weathered gaucho, hat in hand, I'm not all that smart, but if I went out to feed my cows and only one showed up, I wouldn't dump the whole load on her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to dump the whole load on you. But there are a few things we still need to clear up. Like this going into all the world. How would we do that? We get a hint from Paul's letter to the Galatians and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. As we have opportunity. I tell you a wonderful story about a funeral. <laughs> this is a true story. Bill Heidecker's funeral. Bill was a wonderful guy. I played trumpet with him. My son played trumpet with him. Hundreds of people came to his funeral. There's this part, you know, where they let everybody who wants to say something. So lots of people talking here and there. Lots of people love Bill. But this woman got up. She said, I don't know anybody here except for my friend that I brought with me because I really didn't want to come all by myself. In fact, she said, I didn't even know Bill's name until I saw his picture in the paper. See, a few months ago, she said, my car stalled in the middle of a really busy intersection. And she said, people 
people were screaming at me. I was scared out of my wits. They're screaming at me. They're honking their horns. They're trying to get around me. Said, I, I didn't know what to do, and I'm crying. And then this man comes, this nice man, he comes and he knocks on my window, and he talks to me, and he calms me down, and he, he helps me to understand what to do, and, and he helped me get my car over to the side, helped me get everything. He took care of everything for me, and then, then, he, just, then he just went away. Said, I didn't know anything about him. And in fact, she said, I've never been in a church before, ever. I don't know anything about you Christians. But but if this is what a Christian is, she said, I gotta know more about it. And that's why I'm here today. I want to know why a man can care like that one did. Wow, that's a true story. I mean, I sat there. My son and I were both. Wow. You think Bill maybe took the opportunity to be a neighbor to her? (laughs) Maybe some of us need to push our world out a little. You know, when you go to the store and that tired clerk struggles just to help you, or the gas station and a bored attendant takes your money, barely paying attention. You know, you kind of get irritated with them and thinking why can't they do their job right and maybe the point is we should be really thinking about them and what they need. But we still don't know how you go into the whole world and do this. (laughs) Well, maybe you don't. For just as the body is one and as many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, and all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. None of us is the body of Christ by ourselves. Bill never went to India. He never went to any faraway place to tell people about Jesus. But the hundreds of people at his funeral, especially one particular lady, would tell you he did a pretty good job here. It's actually good news that none of us are the body of Christ by ourselves. (laughs) With this thought in mind, let's go back and look at Jesus' instruction to the eleven that he gave just before he was betrayed. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See that proximity issue, being close to each other? It's about the spiritual also. In fact, That's the primary focus. And don't miss that loving our neighbor is both the function of our faith and the demonstration of our faith. Do you remember this? Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? And I will lay down my life for you. We know that in fact, Peter could not even do this for Jesus. How is he ever going to do it for his neighbor? You know, like the guy at the side of the road in Jesus' story or the woman with the stalled car or some incompetent clerk in the store. <laughs> Peter could not even stand up for Jesus because he still thought it was about his life, his effort. He was going to do it. Listen up. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's just the reality of the situation. The only way to love is through Jesus. And He is the way for all the world. 
We don't make the way for people to come to the Father. Not our job. We just introduce them to the way. You know, not, not shove them on it. Just introduce them to Jesus. And there's this. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We don't even really know the Father or how to love the Father. How can we know how to love the world as he does? It's like this. We know Jesus. So we do have a little understanding of the Father. So we can do our little part in loving the world. Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now at first, they thought Jesus was talking about his miracles. You know? But later they understood that Jesus' great work was what he accomplished on the cross. Everything else was just a setup for this work. And it was enough for all the world. And don't misunderstand, it was not about a better life in this world. That's just a bonus. The gift of Jesus on the cross was about eternal life. Remember what the lawyer said? How do I get eternal life? It's always about spiritual life. His great work was spiritual, not so much material in nature. Say, so Think about Jesus' great work as we listen to these words. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. We're going to do greater works than Jesus. But he walked on water. He healed the deaf and the blind. He raised people from the dead. No, no. The spiritual is greater than the material, than the physical, than things that have to do with this life only. He's not talking about miracles. He's not talking about providing salvation either. That He's the way, remember? He's talking about showing the path to eternal life to more people than he could in his human form. We, all believers, all over the world, together as the body of Christ. When he said, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son, he was talking about the spiritual. This would be a good spot to... Stop and uh, contemplate. When have you asked him, Jesus, desperately for the soul of someone close to you? Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatever we do must be done for God's glory. And it must be done as if Jesus were doing it. That's what in his name means. We should function as if we were Jesus here. So let's look at how Jesus puts all these thoughts together and he adds an important promise. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. We can love our neighbors in his name because we are loved by him. Without him, we couldn't love the world in any meaningful way. And the truth is, we couldn't even love our family, and our friends, neighbors without him. 
It always becomes us doing something for us. We need the Holy Spirit if we are to love as Jesus loved. We will never be able to sustain the work without Him. We will grow weary of doing good if our relationship with Him does not fill our spirits. If our spirits are not filled with His love. So, how can we know if our relationship with the Holy Spirit fills our soul? Because we'll love as Jesus loved. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Remember, it all starts, ends, and flows through active love. Who can you love, really love, in deed, in what you do? Really love. You know, I hope you guys feel for these guys that come into the church for the first time and they hear preachers talking about, love this and love that. <laughs> it scares them. Okay, Men do not like emotion. And if if what they thought was love was actually love, it should scare them. Fortunately, the love of Christ is a wholly different thing than that feeling thing that they've heard love is. Do you love as Christ loved? If you do, it will be clear to you that you are His disciple. It will be clear to those who are the church that you are a part of His body. It will be clear to all people, the world, that you are Jesus' disciple. And which part of all people will know? Uh, those who are actually close enough to see you, <laughs> your neighbor. Those who will have eternal life are the ones whose lives are lived in love. Who do you love? Remember, love is not even the same word that they use in the world. The world. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You ever worry about all the horrible things happening in the world? We don't have to. We can have peace. Even though the whole world is in turmoil, we understand that God loves the world. And we know and love Him enough that we can trust that He has a plan. God's plan. I'd like to be amazed thinking about this. When we love each other and when we love our neighbor, we become a part of His plan. We are actually doing the work of God. The God who created the universe. Realize how big the universe is? There are enough galaxies for each of the seven billion people on earth to own nearly 50 of them. Light can take from 100,000 to 5.5 million years just to travel from one end of a galaxy to the other end of that same galaxy. That's light, 186,000 miles a second, and it can take over 5.5 million years with the largest galaxy we now know of. That's big. Each galaxy has a hundred thousand million stars times 50 times 7 billion. And we live on one little planet of one moderately sized sun of one smallish galaxy. And we're just a tiny little dot on that one planet. Feeling small yet? <laughs> and yet we 
tiny little us are actually God's hands doing His work. This God who made the whole universe, our part may only be tiny, but it is actually God's work. He is intimately familiar with exactly what we each do for Him. We are a part of the Creator God's plan. When we just love our neighbors as ourselves. It's amazing. I'm amazed by that. And we even gain spiritual strength. You get stronger as you learn to love. We gain peace because we know the body of Christ as a whole is doing God's work in the whole world. We don't need to worry about the world because we know God's got it figured. And He's got the whole universe figured, so (laughs) the world is probably okay with Him. God's plan is that each part of the body does their tiny part to care for those He puts them in contact with. And the whole world gets loved by the body. They don't get so involved looking at the parts that others are supposed to do that you miss doing your part. Don't miss the trees for the forest. But Houston, we have a problem. (laughs) We know what we're supposed to do, and as James said, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. We must love one another as Christ loved us by sacrificing our lives for each other, by loving our neighbors as ourselves. But, fortunately, we must balance Scripture. We must take rest. We simply are not God. We don't have all power. We have to take breaks to refresh ourselves. Sometimes you are not the person who is supposed to fix the problem. Hand it over to another part of the body. All right, and and it's true that some hand over way too much. (laughs) They kind of like need to step it up. But for the rest of us, the rest of us also need to care for people in proper order. There's a reason Paul wrote, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives. Hey, aren't we supposed to love everybody around us like Jesus loved us? Yes, but we have a location. (laughs) Physically, but spiritually also. After some other specific marriage instruction, Paul wrote, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. The closest relationship we have in this life is mostly spiritual in nature. Even the physical relationship, one flesh, points to the spiritual. The Apostle Paul was led by the Spirit to make specific mention of this relationship because it is the most important in any married person's life. Even to the point that he said it is about Christ and the church. If you are in a marriage relationship, that has to be your highest priority. That's your number one neighbor. I'm going to take a little break. When you hear about Satan and sex... 
Why this is a big deal? Why is it that the demonic forces do everything they can to pervert the physical union of a man and woman? Everything. And by the way, my son Paul, our son Paul, he did his college thesis on the, the ending of nations. When do societies end? What causes them to end? You're going to be interested to know that in every single society that failed, the first thing that went was marriage. The second thing that went was heterosexual union. They went to homosexual union. And then the third one, when they go all the way to where they promote homosexual union above heterosexual, the society then fails afterwards. In every known failure of every society that he could find. Dozens of them. Dozens of them. Why does Satan attack the sexual union like that? Because it's about Christ and the church. That intimacy that, that a married couple has is the greatest intimacy that any two human beings can have. That's about Christ and the church. It's supposed to be spiritual. And Satan hates it because he hates Christ. And he hates us. He just wants to destroy it. That's why sexual sin is so much of a problem because it's supposed to be spiritual. And when it goes the wrong way, it's not. Okay. My favorite rant. Well, one of my... I have lots of favorite rants. <laughs> okay. So your number one neighbor, if you are married, is your spouse. But when we read instructions on biblical parenting, another priority relationship, what's the emphasis? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What's the focus of your second closest neighbors? Yes, the spiritual. The same focus is found when he instructs about the work environment. So it is with all who are our neighbors. And always, and particularly the church, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Christians talk a lot about grace, unmerited favor, unmerited care, unmerited love. This love is our distinguishing characteristic. We are people of the way. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Loving the whole world, that's God's job. He's everywhere, so everybody's his neighbor. We live in one place, so we have a limited and specific set of neighbors. Our spouses, our children, our families, those that are at work, those that we run into, not the whole world, just with whomever God brings us into specific contact. Our part in the world may be tiny, but it is a tiny part of God's plan. So let's be excited to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now you just need to know. Who is your neighbor? 